0: 52 Sketches Podcast, Episode 7, Rogue Pianist, Kimberly Starkey.
1: Welcome to 52 Sketches, a podcast about creativity and creative practices. Here's your host, Rob Head.
0: Welcome to the 52 Sketches Podcast. I am your host, Rob Head. We are here again to talk about living a creative life. Creativity practices, habits, strategies for making wonderful things and experiences. In this episode, I am so pleased to welcome Kimberly Starkey to the show. Kimberly Starkey, also known as the Rogue Pianist, is a classically trained contemporary pianist and composer. Her musical style can be described as powerful, radiant, dreamy, and inspiring. Rooted in both the romantic period of classical music and contemporary styles, her debut album of original piano compositions, Dream, was nominated for Album of the Year in 2014 by Whispering Solo Piano Radio, and her composition, Ascension, was nominated in the Contemporary Classical Instrumental category at the 2016 Hollywood Music in Media Awards. And she's since gone on to ever greater success in the years since with new releases. So welcome, Kimberly.
1: Thank you for having me, Rob. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Yeah, so... I usually ask a bit of a risky question at the opening here. I want to ask you, you know, uh, how are you in this sort of 2020 pandemic era? How are you and your loved ones and, um, how are you doing?
1: Ah, well, um, thanks for asking, you know, to be totally honest, I know this is not the the situation for a lot of people, but for me, it's Mm -hmm. the best thing that ever happened to me.
0: Why you is weren't that? expecting that? Were you? <laughs> no, I was not. <laughs> you almost choked yeah.
1: on your water there. Like,
0: what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, tell me about that. What? Uh, so is it because it's enabled you to focus, or, or you know? Yeah. What's, so, what's...
1: Yeah. Well, so for me, music. The, the whole way it started, my love of the piano and my love of music started mm-hmm. as a very solitary thing, you know, just mm-hmm. me with my piano in my living room in the dark, having like a moment with God or whatever the heck is up there. And mm-hmm. so as I delved into music, and like delved into a music career, um it took me away from home and away from my living room and it, you know, and I would go out and I would play gigs and I would um, do a lot of things um, that were very social and very kind of extroverted activities. And I'm actually a really extroverted person in a lot of ways, but my art, my music comes from a very introverted private place. And so, right. yep. And so for me, it was like, I was kind of spinning out of control before the pandemic and I ended up moving into the mountains. And last Mm. year I lived in the mountains with my boyfriend and, um, with his mom and our dogs and we're all in the mountains. And it was a, it was a rough winter last winter and I got through it. And I said to myself, actually, I said to my mom, I was like, mom, (laughs) (laughs) I am never going to be isolated again. And then like Uh two weeks later, (laughs) COVID hit and we were in complete isolation again. And so, yeah. And so it just, for me, it was like, it was actually hard to be, you know, isolated at first. It was definitely Mm -hmm. a shock to my system, but little by little, it's been such a wonderful thing. We took this little garden shed that was on the property and was filled with black Mm -hmm. widows. And we turned it into this little music studio for myself. And that's Mm. something I have wanted for as long as I can remember is my own space. That's like not attached to anyone's, you know, house or anything and just my own space. And so, um, yeah, so I just feel like, ah, it's like coming home finally after many years of of right, you know, being right. social, too social for too
0: long. <laughs> Back to piano in the dark.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I can. In Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, that's my instrument as well. And you know that, that I, I can completely relate.
1: Exactly. exactly. Yeah.
0: So let's back up. Let's start at the beginning and write your backstory. What, you know, tell us about your creative upbringing. Where are you from? What did you do and what mediums were you involved in when you were coming up?
1: Um, well, that's a good question. So here's the thing. Nobody really in my family is artistic at all. Nobody plays any instruments. Um, actually, I take that back. My mom likes to do watercolor painting, but you know she hasn't pursued that professionally or anything. Um, right. And so for me, music wasn't the thing that got me into music. It was actually... <laughs> I know. It was actually... It was actually something uh, traumatic um, that happened when I was five years old. My dad passed away, Uh, and um, and we just so mm. happened to have this piano sitting there in our living room, and that my grandparents had given us, and nobody really played it or anything. I mean, I had poked around on it, but um, and I thought it was cool. Uh, But after my dad passed away, and I was going through so many emotions of. Anger actually was the first one mm-hmm. because yeah. I was so mad that he was playing this joke on us by leaving and not coming back. And I just mm. thought he would come back. Wow. And every day I would come home from school and I just thought he was going to be there waiting. And he mm. he never did. And so I had all this anger and all this grief and I didn't know what to do with it. And one day I sat at the piano and I played probably one note and I just fell this, felt this kind of like this beam of light and connection just going from the piano and me all the way up to, to somewhere. And I felt connected to him for the first time again. And so that's mm. how I got into music. And that's, that's the experience that I seek um, every time I, I play the piano or, or do a project. So.
0: Wow. You're uh, <laughs> uh mm. yeah, I, I you haven't told me that story before. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's very moving. I, you know, I think yeah. back to, I was also five when I discovered the piano, but my story is much dumber. I saw, oh. I saw Star Wars
1: <laughs> is and I fell word? in love
0: with the music. <laughs> I don't know. It is if you're dumber. Uh, so, you know, uh, Wow. So from the very beginning, from the first moment, this was about finding that, that sort of, uh, for lack of a better word, a sort of a spiritual connection.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm.
0: Wow. Wow. I'm sorry for your loss first and foremost. Um, thank you. Yeah. Mm. So, so where did it go from there? Did you, was it no turning back and the piano became your, your best friend or how did, how did that, develop.
1: Pretty much it was always like what do you want to be when you grow up and it was always either either a piano player like I didn't know, you know, I didn't know the word pianist back then. So it was like I want to uh-huh. be a piano player or a whale trainer. <laughs>
0: right right yes.
1: which actually i yeah. think they're sort of correlated because i was obsessed with orca whales and i feel like they're both big and they're both black and white and they're both full of spirit and passion <laughs> they're so basically the same they're thing basically the same it. thing yeah, but yeah, i only yeah. had access to the pianos unfortunately so um, yeah well you got to make do with what you
0: got yeah yeah if
1: i could like yeah. be a piano player slash whale trainer all at the same time that would be my ultimate fantasy but um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i think from there it was um
0: You must have had teachers and and whatnot as a kid. yeah. Yes,
1: I was always, well, so it was always me searching to have that experience again. And so my entire life I have weaved back and forth between um, learning and getting, you know, instruction and taking lessons until Mm -hmm. I would reach this point where it felt like that experience was not happening until it felt like Mm -hmm. it was too much in my brain and not enough in my heart. So then I would Mm -hmm. quit and I would just go back to you know playing the piano in my living room and then I would Mm -hmm. be like oh I want some more tools and so I would weave back and forth and so I didn't have like one piano teacher growing up it was like I'd have a piano teacher and then I would quit and I would you know I would tell my mom like if she didn't let me quit then I would just never play the piano again so I would threaten her and she actually like totally would give into it she'd be like oh well we can't have that happen Um, which I'm actually (laughs) glad because then I, I just got to really go with how I felt with music and and then mm-hmm. it really. So then, you're saying wait yeah. wait wait. So mm-hmm. she, so
0: you you're saying that she allowed you to quit whenever you felt like it. Is that what... She...
1: Well yeah, she would you know she would put up I'm sure some kind of resistance. But my mom is uh-huh. like very sweet, and you know she just was like oh well if you don't want to do it then you know you don't have to do it.
0: <laughs> right, right. Well, yeah. this is one of the classic issues between uh, developing artists and a parent. Right? Is mm-hmm. are they pushing you? You know. I um, know. if they don't push you enough, then you end up being like, ah, oh, I wish you'd pushed me more. You know, right. if they don't push you, then you're like, or if they do push you, then you're like, I'm yeah. quitting, you know, basically
1: they and, just can't uh, win. Yeah. yeah. Whatever they do <laughs> yeah. is just wrong Parented, once you grow yeah. up.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah. I,
1: I'm actually glad my mom did that. I really am. Hmm. I was convinced I was never going to go to college because I also had I also had developed learning disabilities, and this all stems back to when my dad passed away. I ended up going to kindergarten a few months later, so it was my first experience Mm -hmm. with school. I was grieving during that time, and so my teacher would always say, "Wow!" Like she would say to my mom, "Like you know, everybody's lining up like I asked, but Kim is over there just staring at the sky, like off Mm. in her her own world." And that's just how I was pretty much all growing up. Was always looking out the window, um, always just you know, in another world. And so I was convinced I wasn't gonna go to college. I I didn't even graduate Mm -hmm. high school. I got a GED, but then Mm -hmm. I ended up going to Musicians Institute um for recording engineering, which was actually not the right program for Mm -hmm. me at Mm -hmm. all. But you know, I learned some stuff about, about sound. But then my sister Convinced me to take her to go with her to Alaska, and this was a pivotal t- moment in my life the, because it was during the great frontier, she, yeah. The great frontier, yes. And so, we so I decided, okay, I'll go with you just to like help you get there. And so, we drove up, and it just so happened that we left on like the same day that the worst storm of like the decade mm-hmm. had come through our town, and it literally the storm, like I'm pretty sure it started right above us. And then we drove underneath it. We both moved at the same speed. It was like 30 miles an hour. And we just drove all the way up to Alaska under this storm. And it, you know was like above us. And so what should have taken like 3 or 4 days took mm. like 9 days. And wow. by the end she had convinced me to go to college because she's like you can eat pizza, you can just do whatever you want. <laughs> it's like you can play the piano, you can go, you know. So I like got there and I I was like I'm going to go to college. And I walked into the you know, piano professor's um, office, and mm-hmm. he was like, "Okay, show me some of your repertoire." You know, and I, I was mainly somebody <laughs> who just played my own stuff. Right. I just make stuff up. What's repertoire? And, <laughs> yeah, rep, repertoire. Yeah. What's that exactly? Uh, yeah. Literally. And so, yeah, it was. So I, I just made something up. I remember just making mm-hmm. something up, and he mm-hmm. didn't. I don't think know what to make of me. You know. Right. And so then that he put some the music.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. So then he put some music in front of me and I, cause, oh, he asked me, can I read music? So I said, yeah, I can read music thinking like, you know, I know where the middle C is on the staff, you know? Right, right. Or, or, you know. And, no, he
0: was like, no, can you sight read yeah. music? Yeah. So he put some
1: like crazy looking stuff in front of me and I was like, oh, heck no. Like I can't yeah. do that. So then he put something easier and I was like, nope, can't do it. Then he put like twinkle, twinkle, little star. And I was mm-hmm. like plucking out the notes and I'm like, see, I can read music. <laughs> <laughs> um, But but he ended up seeing that even though I didn't have this traditional classical background, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he knew I had a love for the piano and he could see the musical expression in me. Mm -hmm. So he took me under his wing and he taught me as much classical as he could. And um, I learned so much. And it was it was really a hard period of like, you know, it was it was a lot of. Um, a stretch for my brain and my hands and and even just performing classical music in front of people in front of the jury, you know, that they right. have these judges and things like right. that. Um, but I learned so much and that's exactly what I wanted. And so now I feel like after college, I took those tools and then I took the inspiration that I have had my entire life from wanting to connect to something greater. Mm-hmm. Um, and I combined those two. And so now I just work on projects that really do combine those two. And I, and I focus Mm -hmm. more and more every day on, um, yeah, on, on doing projects that I really want to
0: do. So So. during that developmental period, you know, um, how many years were you in Alaska? Uh,
1: about six.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. And then, but, but,
1: but I only was going to college for probably three of those years. I don't know. Uh, Uh something like that.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Did you have any uh, particular mentors or people that you, you felt like was, were really influential in your development?
1: Well, definitely my piano instructor, uh, Dr. Zilberkant. He was, you know, from Russia and was like a child prodigy. And, um, he was just the biggest influence because he was so incredibly passionate about music Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. I was just like enthralled. I never, I never knew how passionate classical music could be i always thought it was just like Dit, did it you know like this mm-hmm. like proper music that you play while you're drinking your tea in a fancy little right. um you right. know restaurant but this was like full-blown passion like i had never seen it and so mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. where i fell in love with the romantic uh era classical <laughs> yeah. yes the romantic era yeah
0: yeah wow and and um if i remember correctly um another russian prodigy uh dr Tutinov, who's who's local here mm-hmm. uh is yes. somebody that you studied with later is that right
1: i did yes i got to work with him as well i came back from alaska because i got into a silly relationship with a boy um <laughs> it's always there's always a relationship but, and,
0: that yeah, yeah <laughs> and then i was in a completely different yeah. place yeah. Exactly. And it <laughs> ended
1: like, you know, like any big symphonic work should. So I moved back to Ashland and then got to work with uh, Tutanov. Yes. For about, I want to say a year at the most. And then, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I took a really long time to graduate, but I did get to work with him for about a year.
0: One of the things that this story reminds me of is that you, I think it was last year you released a a song called She's No Beethoven. And I, and I think there's a story behind it from this time period in your life. Oh yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what was that about?
1: Well, so that was, um, you know, one of the schools I had gone to, um, I won't say which one, <laughs> um, but, um, one of the school. yeah. One of the schools. And I, I think these people Not that to are disparage in-
0: anyone. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. cuz you know, I I have so much respect for people in music education, you know. Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. it's just that there was certain there was a certain clash because I was so inspired to compose and yet I didn't really feel like I felt like in these music departments there was a lot of let's, you know, music equals playing me, playing pieces repertoire. that have already been written. Yes. Mm-hmm, specifically, mm-hmm. mostly classical. And mm-hmm. so, um, anyway, I was sort of having a tough time and I went to talk to one of the, one of the professors. It wasn't one of my main professors, mm-hmm. but, um, she ended up, you know, I said, you know, I, I want to compose, but I'm not really feeling like I'm fitting in and stuff like that. And, and she said, well, Kimberly, you know, you're no, it's not like you're Beethoven. Ugh. And And now meaning and what I took that to mean is that I wasn't important enough because I wasn't Beethoven. Like I wasn't important enough to feel that I belonged Uh, like any of us
0: is, right?
1: Yes, exactly. And so it really didn't sit well for a long time. And it it just I had this I had a lot of insecurity, you know? Um like because I didn't come from the same background as a lot of other music um, mm-hmm, students mm-hmm. in colleges. And so, yeah. um, yeah. So eventually I used that as fuel to be like, you're right. I am, I'm not Beethoven. I am my, you know, Beethoven yeah. is the only yeah. Beethoven that ever will exist. And I am the only me and there's, <laughs> it. you know, we don't have to compare. It's different. Yeah. And yeah. I, but I want to be the best me that I can be.
0: Mm-hmm. There's a long tradition of this. Yeah. You know, I think back, uh, it, Even Schubert, like, you know, just a few years after Beethoven had passed away, was saying after Beethoven, what can anyone do? You know, (laughs) like, you know, (laughs) there's this shadow that these great geniuses or whatever you want to call them cast over Mm -hmm. uh, the, you know, subsequent generations. And I think they get mythologized, you know, as if they weren't a real human being just writing music like everybody else. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, yeah. And get sort of calcified Mm -hmm. into this, uh, legend, you know? (laughs) Um, yeah, yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah, And
1: that's, that's, that's where I, I just kind of, you know, look at each musical piece as sort of like a fingerprint, you know? mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, no matter how hard anyone tries to even sound like someone else, it never can be done. It's always a little bit different. It's always unique in some way.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, it's inspiring the way you took that experience and were able to say, okay, uh I'm going to use that as as material, as fuel, you know, mm-hmm. for my own yeah, and and literally for your own uh for expressing the the your own unique musical voice, which is which is cool way to approach that. So, uh, so did you arrive, you know, pretty quickly at, at something resembling a professional career? Um, did you, what, what did you do to, um, survive after you finished schooling and, and your studies?
1: Yeah. So, um, I started by teaching. Like I jumped Mm -hmm. into teaching because it was a way to make an income by doing something that I love, you know, Uh all day, which is like playing the piano and teaching people how to play the piano. And I love people. Mm -hmm. So there was um, a lot of good about that. Um, I also started accompanying for churches. And doing church music because that was another way to make an income as a musician. Yeah. And which was very interesting because I don't really sight read, and yet I was the accompanist for a choir. And yeah. so I just had to like you know I just did the best I could and I mean I was actually you know I was like wow I, I can't believe I'm doing this i'm I'm actually <laughs> like accompanying a choir um but I would use a mixture of reading the music and also like improvising and just also going like what do I want this to sound like for the choir how do I want to support the choir and I would do it that way right, right um so yeah I did those two things I jumped into that you know I did that for about a decade and I I don't know mm. if there's something to yeah. a decade like you know there's something Something about spending ten years doing something, you kind of go. Uh, I think I need yeah, to shift some here. Somehow. You know, it's funny.
0: Yeah. My 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 grandmother, Lila Head, was a piano teacher and church accompanist for like seventy years. Wow! <laughs> and and that that was her legacy, and she just she just mm-hmm. kept going. <laughs> yeah. Wow! For, and and uh, yeah, in fact. You know, to this day, her her legacy is that she bought the piano that's sitting in my studio right now (laughs) for my father who passed it down to me. So, yeah, yeah, it it is a path that musicians in the previous generations. That was it was one of the paths that you can take to, you know, make a dependable living was teaching, Mm -hmm. of course, and and then accompanying, uh, especially in uh, faith communities. And um, yeah, Mm -hmm. but so after 10 years of that, you were Mm -hmm. like, okay, I want to do something else.
1: Yeah, I you know, I always said if church was on a different day than Sunday, I would do this forever. <laughs> but no, nobody was listening to me and no one changed the day of church.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe you needed to find a Seventh-day Adventist church or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, apparently. Oh, yeah. see I didn't even I didn't even think about that, it's but, a thing. Um, it's a yeah, thing. that's yeah. I should have yeah. done that. But yeah.
0: anyway,
1: no. Um yeah, because the pro- the issue that I faced was that um, I would you know, start teaching on Mondays and then I would teach all week and I would have, you know, choir rehearsals and things like that and then mm-hmm. then when Friday came around and it's like that's the moment that I really, my brain needed a break to mm-hmm. just like, mm-hmm. you know, not worry and just, but then I would immediately start worrying when Friday came around because Sunday was coming up and right. like, okay do I know my music? Do I know which hymns I'm playing? Am, am I supposed to be playing you know, special music? Do I need to rehearse with anyone? Like, what do I need to do? And then like Saturday I would become more preoccupied with it and then sunday i would be i would do it and then afterwards after church i'd be like woo i'm done like i've done i've accomplished my week and then sunday night i would do like nothing after church i would just like probably just eat pizza and whatever like and then <laughs> and then monday would come and it's like boom back it at so it and so yeah yeah if so it's I were kind a of a moral- grind after It while. was a grind. If yeah. I were more like, you know, able to compartmentalize and not put every part of my soul in everything I do, I'm sure I could have probably managed it better, but, um, but right, that's, right. it just didn't quite work with me. So eventually I burnt out several times during that 10 years. Mm, yeah. And, um,
0: yeah. Well, I, so, I'm so yeah. impressed because in my family, because of my grandmother, you know, that the story I just told you, yeah. uh, that sort of the definition of a competent uh musician was somebody who can sight-read out of the hymnal.
1: <laughs> you know? Oh, my and, gosh. And so
0: the fact that you don't have a traditional background and yet you somehow survived 10 years doing well,
1: that. <laughs> you well, know, I think that's great. exactly why it was, it was uh-huh. extra, you know. It was
0: um, a little more stressful than if you had more of a traditional, like... Exactly. Accompanying background.
1: Yeah, because you know? I can just sit down and be like, "Oh, I'm going to open, you know, hymn number four twenty four and just play." It. It's like, no, I had to practice that, figure out what key, what the chord progression was, and yeah. then, you know, yeah. So that's that's amazing <laughs> that your your grandma could do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was the uh, that was the message I always got from my father was, you know, all right, yeah, see if you could play this, you know. Anyway, yeah, um, <laughs> uh, very cool. So so okay, so what happened near the end of that. It sounds like you yeah. were ready to do something else.
1: Yeah. Okay. So then, uh, you know, the end of that, I actually went through like a divorce, not mm. like a divorce. It was a divorce. Right. Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Literally, I like to take serious divorce, yeah.
1: things and, and <clears throat> somehow laugh at them, but anywho, uh, right. so right. yeah, the end of that, it was really all about, you know, I had this dog, you probably saw my Facebook post this morning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Elaine her name was. And oh, she was so precious. I, yeah. yeah. I got her by accident. People don't mm-hmm. understand how you can get a dog by accident, but I did, <laughs> did get her by accident. Didn't
0: mean to get a dog, but I did she is. She's living here now. <laughs> and
1: here she is. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, anyway, because, you know, just to sum up the story, cause I would love to tell the whole story, but you know, this is about creativity, but I will say, um, I got her from the animal shelter and the whole reason that we even went there was to just pass time because I had my niece in the car and she was two and we wanted to like pet a dog <laughs> and they were all pit bulls except for this one little one. So I'm like, well, just to make sure no pit bulls bite her head off, which most pit bulls are really nice. I'm not saying anything bad about pit bulls, but when they're from the animal shelter you never um, know and you don't know them you have mm-hmm. no idea yep. so we took this little dog out and you know I just was like being nice and I was like oh she's so cute you know and then um long story short they were like oh well um you know do you like her and I'm like yeah you know and they were like okay well you know do you want to apply? Like, the and I'm like, papers. Oh yeah. yeah. And they literally gave them to me and I'm like, Oh, thanks. And I thought that I was going to be able to walk out and just fill them out. Like, well, I wasn't even going to fill them out at all. I was going to walk out. Right. I didn't want to like hurt their feelings. So I'm right. like, Oh, thanks. Right. You know? And then she like gave me a pen and then a clipboard and stood there and watched me <laughs> and, and was like, you can sit right there at that desk. And so I'm like, Oh gosh. So then I filled it out thinking, okay, in my mind, I'm like, I'll just give him the adoption papers. And then, uh, when they go to call me and cause I'm sure they'll have to review it and like talk to people when they call me, I'll just tell them, I'm sorry, something came up and I can't actually have a dog anymore, but I was too embarrassed to like change my mind right then. So I just did it, <laughs> gave her the thing. And she just like took three seconds and looked at it and was like, okay, looks okay. good. That'll be $80. Here's yeah. your new best friend. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then I was like, I don't have $80. And I looked at my sister and she's just handed me her credit card and I'm like, Okay. <laughs> so that was it. We got her. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah. The whole point of that is that she really having that dog, I was in no place really to have a dog, but having mm-hmm. that little dog was like having a heart on the outside of my body. And I could mm-hmm. see if something wasn't good for me, if I was really stressed out, it would affect her. Mm-hmm. And the more hap- the more happy that I was, the happier she was. And so that just started a whole thing of really really assessing my life and looking at what really actually brings me joy and what, what is it time to let go of. And so Mm. I ended up letting go of a lot of things and it Mm. has been quite a crazy few years to say the least, but I let go of a relationship. I let go of where I live. Um, I, you You know, and I let go of teaching. Yep. I let go of accompanying.
0: Mm. I want to fast forward a little bit. You, you recorded several albums of your original music, to yes. to you know a not unreasonable level of acclaim and you um, you got a lot of attention and some you know airplay and streams and all this stuff started happening for you and and I know that mm-hmm. you eventually started collaborating with various other artists and mm-hmm. and I want to talk mm-hmm. about one in particular you you co wrote the Fire Within which is a contemporary double piano concerto with mm-hmm. Jennifer Thomas and um, yes. And that did really well. It did like debuted in the billboard classical music charts and, you know, Mm -hmm. did very, very well. Song of the classical song of the year in the 2020, Mm -hmm. what international music and entertainment awards. It did Mm -hmm. great. So, Mm -hmm. wow. (laughs) You know, tell (laughs) us about that relationship and how that piece eventually came to be. And, and, um, I would love to hear about how it came to be performed.
1: Yeah. was that the intention from the beginning? Yeah. Um, so, so, so there's this word, it's called dialectic and there's this form of therapy called dialectic behavioral therapy. And it's Mm -hmm. based on the premise that two opposites that seem mutually exclusive of each other can both be true. Mm. And so my whole music career has really been a dialectic where it's, it's definitely been filled with struggle and like, you know, just, um, (laughs) poverty and like, you know, just like, angst and like, why isn't it, you know, and struggle, all of that. And on Mm -hmm. the, on the flip side, it has been so amazing. And this is one of those projects that is just like art. I have to pinch myself. Like, is this really real? (laughs) Um, and you know, like a little background on that is that like, I was just this, this, you know, nerdy internet fan of this girl Jennifer Thomas for many, many years. Probably for ten years for the entire time that I was going to school and, and then teaching yeah, and all that. You're
0: like and fan girl. I was, Yeah.
1: I was a fangirl and I was yeah. always like, gosh, if only I could, you know, like this, she's doing what I exactly want to do, but in my own way, of course. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so yeah, I ended up um having a late night binge of Ellen DeGeneres videos and Jennifer Thomas and, and like got wild, you know, I mean, just like thinking, you know, just in my sort of deranged, yeah, dreaming. (laughs) And I, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be really wild here. I'm going to email her or like, you know, reach out in some way. So I reached out and ended up, you know, just i'll skip the all the details but basically she ended up being this really nice person she found out i played the piano and she listened to my music and she lo and behold loved it Mm. and we became like best friends We're we're like pretty much we talked every day now and we um yep and we uh and then she eventually and i didn't have any expectations you know right um Of anything, I in fact, when we first like connected on the internet, I was like, "Can I come up this weekend to your house and play the piano for you?" Because I was determined. I was like, "I just want to, I want her to hear my music." And she said no, because she's like (laughs) thinking probably this crazy girl on the internet like is going to be a stalker or something. I think you get um, a no from most people.
0: Yeah, that you just met. Yeah, yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah. I think so too. Mm. I think. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not. Um but yeah, we ended up becoming really good friends. Hmm, um so we cool. just supported each other in our a common quest to you know, of loving the piano and playing piano music. And then eventually she asked me if I wanted to collaborate with her. And so just to clarify, you know, um it is her project. She she produced it. She um, financed it. She came up with like the idea and the title and all of that. And then she asked me to co co co-write the piano part. So, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. I went up there, she lives in Washington and we co-wrote together. We had so much fun. And then we ended up, uh, you know, she invited me to be in the music video, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. the fire within and, we, uh, oh, which, I
0: remember there was a, there was kind of a brouhaha <laughs> over lighting a piano on fire and people were like, Oh, oh that's so disrespectful, blah, yes. blah, blah. But oh, it was like an yes. old junkie piano. And anyway, it was like, she got all this yes. drama for no reason. Yeah. She
1: got, she got like <laughs> slammed by the internet. I think it was like 2 million people, um, that on Classic FM saw this article that was misstating that it was saying she lit a Yamaha piano on fire. And that is not true. She lit her stunt piano, which was completely broken. They had used it for tons of videos. And it was like a literal, it was like a sending, it was like a farewell celebration. It was a really important moment for her to like, you know, let this piano become ashes. Yeah. And, um, it was, you know, not at all what the article uh, portrayed. And so, yeah, she got, she got slammed for that but um eventually they you know they tweaked the article so now it's correct but unfortunately you know people they don't go back and look and figure out all the details that have been edited Uh, right Um, right right but anyway so nobody reads the
0: corrections Uh, yeah
1: (laughs) no no uh uh-uh um but anyway yes so we got to do the music video and then we got to perform at benaroya hall in seattle Mm. uh with the Ensign Symphony, which was a dream come true for me because hmm. I had been wanting to perform, uh, original music with a symphony for my entire life. And so that right. was a dream come true.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, most composers, uh, <laughs> yeah, you never get there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's yeah. so, so great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I want to move on a little bit to, um, what your life is like, you know, one of the things that this podcast is about is how do we build a life that enables us to do our work and our, our yeah. art, you know, Yes. what are yes. your daily practices if, you know, or regular yeah. practices, how do you care for yourself and, and how do you, how do you stay, uh, on top of yeah. your, your, your work, yeah. your, your, you know, your skills and your, your, uh, your instruments.
1: Yeah. So for me, first thing is first is your environment and really taking a look at and I don't mean like your environment, like every single little um, thing, you know, trinket needs to be put in place like in your Mm -hmm. office or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, I actually always leave some kind of work to do out always like (laughs) if I clean too much and get too much done then I'm like anxious because I'm like well what do I I don't know what to do so I always leave like I'll get everything done except for like one thing that I and I can look forward to doing that one thing the next day
0: right right um what is that there's a Japanese Mm -hmm. word for that I think it's wabi-sabi yeah (gasps) it's this idea of the beauty of imperfection yeah that like leaving one (gasps) thing undone Or imperfect is, yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I used to be terrified of my inspiration. Um, actually to the point where it gave, it gave me a mental illness, which was (laughs) obsessive compulsive disorder because I was terrified, worried
0: that you wouldn't be inspired or, or
1: no, I was so inspired and I would have all these crazy inspirations. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, that moment where your brain lights on fire and it's like, Mm -hmm. wow. Um, but the problem is I, I, I had so many of those that it was impossible to get them all done. And then I had this fear of like, well, if I don't follow my intuition, like then, you know. Um, then I'm, that's not good.
0: Yeah. Ideas are cheap, you know, and when inspiration hits you every day and you're just, there's no way you can do all of those things, right? You don't have enough lives, you know, (laughs) there aren't enough days. In a lifetime to do all the things that, even the great ideas, you know? Yes, (laughs) yes. And if you were to
1: actually do those ideas, some of them would actually bring you down. Like if you you have Mm. this idea to go spend $10,000 on, you know, this new piano or or whatever it is, like – which actually pianos cost way more than $10,000. But, right. um, <laughs> but
0: you know, <laughs> good ones anyway.
1: uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, like that might not be good for your life and that might not be actually the right, you know, an effective right. thing for your life. And so something that really helped me, and I think it was out of a book called, oh gosh, what was the book? It was a book on creativity. Yeah. I don't know. Um, <laughs> This is why I play instrumental music because I don't have to remember words.
0: This is why you're an improviser. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But I remember the concept of, from this. And Uh so, you know, the concept was that, that, these inspirations and I'm going to, you know, say it in my, relay it in my own way, but these inspirations are like, you actually get to choose which ones you want to collaborate with. And you can say, no, I'm not, I'm not your person on this one. And Mm -hmm. so for me, that has been hugely beneficial because it's given me control back over my life. Like just because, yeah, just because I can see how something could work or even might be inspired by it. Or maybe even my intuition is saying like, you know, that it's a, it would, be a beautiful thing. Like I get to still choose. Is that something in my life that I want to take on?
0: I love the way you're framing that, you know, because like as if it's coming from this, you know, world of inspiration, but you don't have to be the only one that can make it happen. You know, you can be like, okay, I'm going to, that's awesome. I'm going to pass on that one. Go find someone else.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And that, yes, exactly. I actually feel like I'm at this precipice right now, where it's like a new beginning of a new decade. And Mm. um, I've gotten to do these collaborations with people. I've gotten to be uh, featured in five music videos in the last like two or three years. I've actually gotten to be yeah, I've gotten to be f- featured in music videos that have pretty much like all of the elements. Like fire. Now <laughs> I'm going to totally make myself look like like an idiot. But it's like fire, water. What is it? Fire, earth, water,
0: earth, air. Earth, <laughs> air. You're a yeah. So yeah.
1: Exactly. So I had the fire with the fire within. We had literally our faces were like melting off because we were in front of real fire. And, you know, Uh, then we had the water. Um, Uh, I had, you know, snow. I've been in several or in at least one video with snow. Yes. Um, For a Christmas video, I had earth. So I had dirt and chinchilla litter thrown at me uh, (laughs) because I was in an apocalyptic uh, music video. The Uh chinchilla litter looked really like uh, it made it look like explosions you know, and they, the, the producers just found that, or the directors found that the chinchilla litter really, uh, really looked better than even like the fake dirt or whatever. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure yeah. is what happened. Yeah. And then the last, what is the last element? wind
0: air air
1: or yeah. air? Yeah. yeah. So then yeah. we, yeah. in that apocalyptic video, they had this huge like commercial fan that was blowing the chinchilla litter at me. And so <laughs> that was like blowing in my eyes and stuff. And, uh, so yeah, yeah so the things we I've do got- for
0: art. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I've gotten to do all these uh, projects, but you know, like you witnessed this morning, you were like, where's your bio? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> what do I have to show for all this?
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> so I had goodness. to like type
1: one up really fast. Yeah. Um, but so I'm at this point where I'm like, okay, I've really lived a lot in the last 10, 15 years. Yeah. And now I, I want to, um, it's really, a, it's really me coming forth as my authentic self, Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, having the time and space to do it and being in just a much more mentally and emotionally healthy, um, place to do that. So, yeah. 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 So a lot of good things to come, I believe. Yeah.
0: So, so talk to us about your, your life a little bit right now. What do you accomplish in a typical week? I I don't mean like, you know, checking boxes, but like, (laughs) like, what do you, you know, what does your week, week look like, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, I've come to realize I kind of live like a fish. Like I don't even think in terms of weeks. I just think in terms (laughs) of like right now and today. It's
0: continuous stream (laughs) of now. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And like, if someone's like, what did you do yesterday? I'm like, I have no no. idea. Um, (laughs) What was yesterday?
0: Blur's day? Yeah. 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 I
1: I have no idea. I have a very, a lot of variety in my life. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm able to be there for family members who are, um, who are ill and, Mm -hmm. and I'm able to kind of do some like caregiving, which actually is so crucial to my music because it Mm. connects me with people who are like, um, your loved ones going back
0: to your, you know, your origin story. Yeah,
1: exactly. And, and it, it's like, it, it just shows you the, uh, just the, um, the value of life mm, and the yeah. um, when or, life can go like away, the, like really,
0: yeah, just fragility the, the fragility of life, fragility, preciousness. Thank yeah. you, thank you, yeah,
1: yeah, and so that that inspires my music. So mm. I I have that, and then I I have my dog. So f- for me, like as far as what I do, like the main thing I do is just like setting myself up to be in a positive frame of mind. Mm-hmm. And so right now I'm working on um, building a website, and I'm working on like after this call. I'm going to be finishing um, composing for The Flight of the Bumblebee, which is nice. we're doing our own arrangement, Jennifer and I, of The Flight of the Bumblebee. And I'm so excited for that. And so and then I've got that sounds fun. Are you project. going to get to
0: perform that again somewhere?
1: Yeah, I believe. Well, I believe we're going to do a, I believe we're going to do a music video for it um, eventually. I see. And, right. um, you know, I had a dream that we were supposed to perform it for like we were supposed to perform it and Brene Brown was going to speak right after us. And I didn't know how to play it. And I drove up to try to learn how to play it. And on the sheet music, all it was, was infographics. And we were trying to understand how it was like
0: (laughs) that. I did not. I've never heard those words strung together into a sentence. Uh.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, all right.
0: Fantastic. Well, Kimberly, it's, uh, it's just wonderful to, to chat with you. And is there anything you'd like to share with say, uh, a younger artist who's maybe 15 or 20 years, um, you know, behind Mm you coming up?
1: I would love to. Okay. First of all, comparison is the thief of joy. Mm. And it's so, so easy to compare ourselves to other people um, who, (laughs) yeah, like Beethoven. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, that was a perfect reference. Um, and so like, seriously, if you can gently and lovingly stop comparing yourself to other people, instead of comparing, you can celebrate other people. You know, if there's somebody else who has, is farther along in their career or whatever, you can celebrate them and be like, wow, you know, that's really awesome. Um, and, you know, just, um, you know, the other thing is like, the way you dream. So I used to dream very out there, very in mm-hmm. the future. If you can actually flip your dreams to where you think, okay, like if, you know, let's say you dream that if I have this best selling book, mm-hmm. then I'll, or maybe I should use music album, as a reference. sure.
0: Yeah. Album. There we go. Yeah. I,
1: have a, I have a top charting album. Is that still album. a thing?
0: Yeah. download, (laughs) (laughs) stream. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Exactly. Uh, Then I will feel, you know, accomplished and successful and liberated and all Mm. this stuff. Well, if you can flip that and say, you know what, I am now going to choose to feel accomplished and liberated and successful. And from there you can choose what you want and you can go for it, but always starting with the emotions that you want to feel and the energy Mm -hmm. you want to feel and going from there. Because if you, if you don't, what can happen? And I fell into this of like, I had this dream that was out there and then I was filled with this energy of like, but I'll never make it. It's so hard. There's no way. Oh my gosh. And so Mm -hmm. then even if I would actually accomplish something, I couldn't even enjoy it because it was like, was that really worth all the suffrage I just put myself (laughs) through? And no, it really wasn't. And so now it's like, I, I just start with uh, like coming from the energy of what I want and the, the feeling of, you know, the feeling of dreaming is exciting like at least yeah. for me. I used to drive with my mom and we would have a mocha and we would like dream about the future. And literally when I look back, that was like the best part of it all. It wasn't <laughs> where I got. Yeah. It was the, yeah. that moment in the car with my mom drinking a mocha mm. and just like how happy and free we felt.
0: Yeah. So that yeah. you know would
1: be my advice for for anybody.
0: Fantastic. You remind me of folks that say, you know, you're you're already worthy. Just do your thing. Yes. You know?
1: Yes. Love it. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time today. Thank you so much for being with
1: us. Thank you. I appreciate you as well and your team. So thank you so much for having me. I hope tons of people listen to this podcast and feel a a sense of their own uh, creative expression just blooming when they listen to it. Mm,
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. The 52 Sketches Podcast is a product of 52 Sketches, makers of earlywords.io, daily, private, stream of consciousness writing to clear your mind and unlock your creativity. Taking us out, the latest release from the rogue pianist, Quarantine.